It is time for midday here on KRVN. It's 1130. It's October 28th. Everybody's here. Tyler Gabali along with you. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan in just a couple of moments. As we always do, let's get started with Susan Littlefield to give us a preview of the featured interviews we could be hearing on midday. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. I'll kick everything off at 1219 as we talk about the COVID-19 impact on the Farm Service Agency. Then Chad Moyer is going to step in at 1245 as he talks with Molly Pelzer uh, with Midwest Dairy about their workings with Subway. And then wrapping everything up at 117, it's going to be Bryce as he's joined by Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners to discuss a recent support in the corn and soybean markets. That's a midday from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Well, let's turn it over to sports. And well, the headline today is no Oscar football. Yeah, no, uh, nothing to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, I thought when I first heard that Mertz had it, that, you know, when people start to test positive, what we've seen with the NFL and with Major League Baseball and whatever, that it just, it never just ends with one person. Sure. Un- unfortunately. So, no Nebraska, Wisconsin game will not be made up. Uh, part of that comes back to the Big Ten with how they handle all of this, is they didn't allow themselves any off weeks. So the game is just canceled. Uh, Wisconsin is, does it, isn't charged a forfeit. It's a no contest. So it gives Nebraska another week to get ready for Northwestern. <laughs> now, here's something that I have a question of. Did Wisconsin have to do this, or was it something that they chose to? Because I've been reading a lot of different information about how a team goes about deciding if a game, if they were going to play a game, if they have COVID or not, or do they just keep testing and then quarantine those certain players? Do you know the answer to that? I don't. I do know there are the protocols. I will say this. If you're down to your fourth-string quarterback and your coach has it, you probably don't want to go play a football game. But I will also say this. I think the optics of this would have looked terrible if Wisconsin would have rolled into Lincoln and beat Nebraska with their fourth-string quarterback. Right you are on that one. <laughs> so, in, in a way, I, I think it's probably better for Nebraska that they didn't play Wisconsin. And it, it really is too bad because it's not like high school football here in Nebraska where you can just pick up a, a, some random team that's not playing on a no, Friday. There's, there's, there's no, no game. Else. But we can tell you, if you need a football mm-hmm. fix on Saturday afternoon, we will have the UNK Lopers at Pittsburgh State kickoff shortly after 12 on 93.1 The River. 106.9 at Kearney mm-hmm. and on the River app. All right. Well, there's at least two weeks in a row we'll have live college football on the KRVN station. We will. Also, uh, we will have high school postseason volleyball tonight as well. Playoffs uh, for the football uh, just a couple of days away. Uh, you'll have the B7 sub-district final from Lexington as the Minute Maids take on Hastings. It sounds like regardless of how this one comes out for Lexington, they'll probably qualify for the district final on Saturday. Kind of what I was looking at as well. Should be fun. Let's turn over to Bob Broken in business. Uh, stocks, they look kind of lousy so far. Falling sharply uh, on worries that the uh, pandemic is going to push governments to uh, bring back restrictions on businesses, and that won't be fun. Boeing is cutting some more jobs as it continues to lose money, and uh, and that's also because of the uh, pandemic, which has um, kind of stifled demand for new airplanes. And also, uh, Nebraska's leading economic indicator rose modestly in September. We'll have details on that. Thank you very much. 
KRVN, the River and Cami Blaze New Trails. And Thursday, October 29th, we deliver the 2020 Blazer to one lucky winner. Follow along on air and Facebook and Twitter as we travel the listening area, giving clues and chances to win some summer swag. Thanks to these Blazing New Trail sponsors, Eustace Body Shop, Eustace, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln. Suretop Angus and Charlet, Barnum, Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, and Colorado Land Tire Group, and Central Valley Irrigation, Holdridge, Lexington, and Carmel. Time to take a look at your latest regional ag weather, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your ranky dealer. Paul Perkins now joining me here in the studio. Well, we're seeing some nice warm temperatures already, 40 degrees, and hey, we may see some 50s by the end of the day. Exactly, yeah, headed for, a lot of us headed for those 50s, and next week looking pretty good as our long-term forecast looking very promising for some decent weather. We do have a system moving across the southern U.S. It's kind of affecting our weather in a little bit with some increase in cloud cover, but a lot of the precipitation expected to stay to our south. Very good. So we probably won't have any precipitation, it doesn't sound like, uh, in the near future. Exactly. Uh, maybe next weekend right now is the far, the closest we are probably looking at for some chances for precip. Kind of mentioned this storm that's moving across the southern U.S. Five inches of snow in the northern Texas panhandle. Uh, it looks like Channing, Texas there in the northern part of the Nebraska, Texas panhandle there. So it's pretty rare for that to happen. At least exactly. that much of snow, too. Yeah, a little bit cold air mixed in with it, and uh, that's what they are getting. So. Listen, it's 2020. Nothing's surprising uh, <laughs> anymore at this point. Well, the weather is going to warm up here in the next couple of days as well. Exactly. Right now we have milder temperatures than we've been seeing over the last few days, upper 30s to low 40s for the most part across our area, including up to 47 currently in the Aurora area and 46 at York. A little more sunshine into southeastern areas of Nebraska, the cloud cover thickest in the Nebraska panhandle where temperatures are currently into the low to mid 40s. We'll be mainly sunny to partly cloudy today. Temperatures about 5 to 10 degrees cooler than average, but of course better than what we've been seeing. Some clouds will continue to encroach from the south through late today and tonight with low pressure tracking across the southern plains. The forecast models now showing that system will have a minimal impact on our weather. Yesterday we were talking maybe some light precipitation, but now those chances for precept well to our south. Sunshine's back for tomorrow after some morning clouds. A slight northerly flow for early in the day will keep our temperatures slightly cooler than what we'll see today. A ridge of high pressure builds across the Intermountain West. That will result in dry weather through next week for tomorrow all the way through next week. Temperatures for Friday through this weekend expected to be seasonal to slightly cooler than usual. If you've got some plans for trick-or-treating, a dry, weak cold front could bring in some breezy northwest winds for the Halloween afternoon and evening. Above normal temperatures, though, expected for next week when that high-pressure ridge builds onto the plains. That next chance for precipitation looking like a small one by next weekend. The long term is looking milder and drier. Above normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through the 10th of November. Below normal precipitation very likely Monday through the 10th for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central and eastern U.S. Some Definitely good weather for wrapping up harvest. Weather factors driving the markets include beneficial rain in the forecast for the Black Sea region and the U.S. Plains and additional rain chances in top soybean production areas of Brazil. Early season snow blanketing the Texas northern panhandle while an ice storm is glazing portions of western Oklahoma. The winter storm wreaking problems with uh, traffic and driving but it's highly beneficial for winter wheat while extensive snow cover helping to insulate the plains emerging winter wheat crop 
next couple of days, the rare interaction between a winter-like storm and the remnants of Hurricane Zeta will generate at least 2 to 4 inches of rain across the Mid-South, Lower Mississippi Valley, Central and Southern Appalachians, and the Mid-Atlantic. These two storms starting to merge. Little or no precipitation, though, expected over the next five days across the northern half of the plains and the upper Midwest. In the Midwest and Northern Plains, the warmer and drier forecast by the end of the week into next week, favoring harvest progress. Russian wheat areas expected to see a promising round of moderate to heavy rain in the next five days, their best moisture for the past three months, and useful moisture ahead of dormancy. Central Brazil crop areas once again forecast to receive moderate to heavy rain in the next week, helping to improve soil moisture for soybean planting and development. Brazil's soybean planting only a fourth complete and two weeks behind Due to early season dryness, southern Brazil expecting some light showers. So from what I'm hearing, for those that are trying to wrap up harvest, uh, may be able to do that here in the next couple of days and maybe even next week as well. Exactly. Probably, I wouldn't doubt, yeah, next couple of days, uh, things are really starting to dry up since a lot of us didn't get a, a whole lot of snow. Sure. Yeah, so. And the snow should be melted by tomorrow, I would think. <laughs> yeah, what we do have of it right, right now, I was thinking, yeah. Uh, things looking up as far as back to fall-like weather. Beautiful. I like it. Uh, for more <laughs> weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. COVID-19 has had an impact on all aspects of agriculture, including the workings of the FSA. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The Farm Service Agency's fiscal year ended the 30th of September, and it was a year that's been like no other year for the FSA. However, FSA Farm Loan Chief Bob White says COVID-19, while it revised how business was conducted, it didn't negatively impact its ability to provide loan assistance to producers. Fortunately, our results for the recent fiscal year are actually quite positive. For the uh, fiscal year just ended, we actually provided 1,400 loans, totaling over $240 million. And that activity is actually a 30% increase over the previous fiscal year. So considerable amount of assistance to Kansas farmers and ranchers. And I, I really would add that this year's really shown the resourcefulness of our employees and customers alike. I've been very impressed by the resourcefulness, and we certainly appreciate the efforts we've seen from everybody connected. The FSA still has loan funds available, and White says farm operators are encouraged to consider their credit needs for 2021. We would encourage anyone who may be interested in these programs to start putting together their 2020 financial records and uh, assess what their credit needs for next year are going to be. If uh, access for capital for operating or expansion purposes is uncertain, then uh, we would we would first recommend that applicants contact their local commercial lender and inquire about the guaranteed loan program. If for some reason a guaranteed loan isn't available, then certainly contact us. Uh, we can uh, consider hopefully assisting with our direct loan program. White also says that the Farm Service Agency has the ability to assist existing customers impacted by COVID-19. Fortunately, the majority of our customers have navigated the obstacles of last year very well. For those borrowers who may be unable to meet their full installment on an upcoming direct loan, 
We do have several options for the customer to consider. Those would include restructuring a loan where we essentially divide the portion of the payment that the borrower is unable to meet over the remaining term of the loan. Another option which is unique this year is FSA has developed a special COVID-19 set-aside program. That program allows us to defer a present loan payment until the maturity of the loan. For borrowers who are unable to make payments on a loan guaranteed by FSA, those borrowers should contact their local commercial lender who they work with who holds the guarantee. We've addressed a variety of servicing options similar to those mentioned for the direct loan program with our commercial lending partners and there are options that they can consider and work with us on as well for guarantee customers. Those comments this afternoon are coming from the FSA Farm Loan Chief, Bob White, with an update on how the agency has been impacted by COVID-19. Now, you can find information on local FSA offices by going to fsa.usda.gov. And speaking of the FSA, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue this week announced that the first month of the application period, the FSA approved more than $7 billion in payments to producers in the second round of the coronavirus virus food assistance program known as CFAP2. It's providing agricultural producers with financial assistance to help absorb some of the increased marketing costs that have been associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. Again, more details can be found at fsa.usda.gov. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska was supposed to host Wisconsin in Memorial Stadium on Saturday. That game now will not happen. As this morning, Wisconsin announced it will be pausing all football activities for seven days. The decision comes after the Wisconsin Athletic Department announced that 12 people connected to the program had tested positive, including head coach Paul Christ. Well, on Saturday, UNK looks to keep the momentum of last season going as the Lopers begin the year at Pittsburgh State. Even though this offseason was different, head coach Josh Lynn hopes they can keep things going. I, I believe so. And, you know, a lot of those kids are still around. And, you know, say what you want. It's it's the season after uh, a good season. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I know we only have four games. But, uh, you know, our kids are excited and working hard. And, you know, I think it's even more working even harder now that we have somebody to play. UNK had a winning campaign for the first time since joining the MIAA last year as they also won a bowl game. Saturday's game kicks off shortly after 12. We will bring it to you on 93.1 The River and in the Carney area on 106.9 FM. The Dodgers, their World Series champs for the first time since 1988 following their 3-1 triumph over the Rays in Game 6. Mookie Betts scored the tie-breaking run on a fielder's choice in the sixth, and two innings later he belted a solo home run. Now of note, Dodgers star Justin Turner was removed from the game following the seventh inning after registering Major League Baseball's first positive test for the coronavirus in 60 days. He was not allowed on the field as the Dodgers celebrated their championship. College volleyball action last night. It was Hastings College knocking off Doan in four. Lots of high school volleyball continues tonight with sub-district finals in classes A and B. We will bring you the B7 from Lexington as the Minimates take on Hastings. Our coverage starts at 5.50. First serve at 6. Once again, you can hear the match on Cami Country and also you can hear that at krvn.com. That's a check of sports. Have a great afternoon. I'm Jason Jorgensen. The University of Nebraska at Kearney Sorority is collecting donations for military care packages. 
Alpha Omicron Pi and its annual Sisters for Soldier project has been thanking U.S. military members serving overseas for eight years, creating care packages for servicemen and women who spend the holidays away from their families. Last year, nearly $5,000 was raised and 392 care packages were made, including playing cards, puzzle books, toiletries, and snack foods. Alpha Omicron Pi members will collect donations this week, October 27th through the 31st, as well as November 4th through the 8th at Kearney Hy-Vee and Family Fresh Market from 3 to 6 p.m. on weekdays and 2 to 5 p.m. on weekends. The sorority's goal is to send 450 packages this year. A Nebraska Democratic congressional hopeful has tested positive for the coronavirus and will switch to virtual campaigning from home in the final days before the election. State Senator Kate Bowles of Lincoln says she will work remotely while her network of supporters continues to campaign on her behalf. Bowles announced Monday that she had placed herself in quarantine and was awaiting results of a virus test after her fiancé, Lancaster County Board Chairman Sean Flowerday, tested positive for the virus. Six days out from Election Day, Joe Biden isn't campaigning in a swing state. Instead, he's receiving a briefing from public health experts on the coronavirus as cases surge nationwide. Biden was briefed virtually Wednesday at a theater in Delaware. The Democrat sat on a stage with briefing materials before him in front of a screen with graphs showing the seven-day rolling average of reported daily COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations over the past four months. Center for Science and the Public Interest Director Dr. David Kessler warned Biden we are in the midst of the third wave. Data compiled by John Hopkins shows more than 226,000 people have died from the virus in the U.S. The work ethic camp in McCook is on quarantine status after an inmate tested positive for COVID-19. All other inmates will have the opportunity to be tested for the virus. Testing is voluntary. Scott Frakes, director of the Nebraska Department of Corrections Services, says the inmate who tested positive has been medically isolated from other people. In addition, three staff members from WEC who received their positive results Monday are also self-isolating at home. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to talk about a promotion that Midwest Dairy is doing with Subway restaurants and uh, providing some uh, nutritious meals to kids in need and uh, raising a little money and, uh, again, promoting dairy's uh, wellness message as well. Here to tell us about that, Molly Pelzer. She is CEO of Midwest Dairy. Molly, thanks for taking the time and, and joining us here today. Before we talk about this promotion specifically, just talk about, uh, I guess, kind of the the promotions in general that Midwest Dairy is focusing on? What seems to be kind of the the overarching goals when you put together a, a promotion with some retail partners? We are always focused on giving consumers an excellent dairy experience, and working with partners like Subway is really key to that. We want to make sure that the consumers enjoy dairy uh, so that we're building trust for dairy farmers, dairy products, and uh, dairy farmers themselves. Well, let's talk about this promotion specifically. It actually looks like it, it, it accomplishes a number of different things. De- describe this partnership that Midwest Dairy has forged with Subway. This is a part of a national checkoff campaign, and Midwest Dairy is partnering with your local Subway sandwich shop through the mid- throughout the Midwest. There's three parts of this. First, we're going to encourage students to embrace wellness 
by eating well and being physically active. The second is we're going to raise money with school nutrition departments through our Fuel Up to Play 60 program to raise awareness about how dairy farmers support youth wellness. And then finally, we're helping dairy farmers celebrate the heroes in their own communities to thank them for making them a better place. Okay. Well, let's talk about each one of those, uh, kind of highlight each one. Start uh, on that wellness side. How is this promotion uh, helping kids get and stay active, Molly? The Subway restaurants are supporting an initiative that provides a 60-cent, six-inch Subway promotion every Sunday for any student who uses our Fuel Up to Play 60 Healthy Habits Tracker. They can bring in the tracker to the store and receive a six-inch sub for only 60 cents and purchase a meal. We hope they'll add milk to that, of course, for their three servings of dairy a day. But we know that they can get cheese on their sandwich as well. All right, so that's uh, part of the uh, that's getting the kids active and, and eating well. What is the part of the promotion that uh, that raises money for those in need, Molly? That part of the promotion is, is called Tackle Hunger, and it runs through um, the end of November at restaurants. Customers can donate at the cash register that will provide Feel Up to Play 60 grants to local schools to help deliver school meals during the pandemic. Uh, consumers can make it easy by rounding up their purchase to the nearest dollar to contribute uh, supplies to the schools because we are really challenged in this day and age to make sure that we're getting uh, good, healthy school meals to students. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've talked about uh, getting uh, getting active, staying active. We talked about raising some money and uh, putting food in in places that are in need. Uh, what uh, what's that last component where you said kind of a a thank you to to local dairy farmers? What's that all about? We're asking our dairy farmers to visit our website to get a community cares package. They're available on a first come first served basis. Each package will include a Subway gift card. And undeniably dairy goods like blankets and stocking hats, we're asking farmers to be creative and think about how they can thank local heroes of their choice, might be veterans, local police or fire professionals, healthcare providers, anyone in their community that helps make a difference. We'll be giving those uh, gift packages out in the next few weeks to help celebrate the Tackle Hunger promotion as well as showcase how dairy farmers care about their own communities. All right, sounds great. So again, kind of a as we've highlighted, a multifaceted program that uh, Midwest Dairy is uh, partnering on this promotion with uh, Subway restaurants here in the Midwest. Molly, can you describe how all of these things kind of tie together and tie into the to the mission of Midwest Dairy that you were talking about before? One of our partners is the NFL. And they brought this uh, opportunity to us for all their 21,000 restaurants across the nation. They, like us, are committed to youth wellness and doing good in their community. We were really excited to have a new NFL partner, the Subway Restaurants, and their teams join us in this effort to make a difference during the pandemic. We know as dairy farmers that we're essential and part of that very, very important fabric about getting food to all U.S. citizens. And Subway is great to partner with us to bring awareness to the work that our dairy farmers are doing to support youth and our local communities. All right. Sounds great. Molly, I think the only thing left is to uh, kind of the call to action. Where can we go to get more information to read up on this uh, and, and kind of see how the promotion works? And then, like you said, uh, request those, those care packages. Where's a good place to go to get all that information? 
Our website, MidwestDairy.com, is great for information on this particular promotion as well as all the work Dairy Checkoff is doing. And we have uh, opportunity for the dairy farmers simply by looking for community care packages. They'll be able to register to do good in their communities. All right. So, again, the website, MidwestDairy.com, that's where we go? That's correct, Chad. All right. Very good. Molly, it's good to talk to you. I know uh, there's a a lot of good ideas out there. Looks like this is a great one to, again, uh, jointly uh, take care of a number of different things. And thank you for coming on and uh, telling us about it today, okay? We're thrilled to be able to share the good news. Thank you, Chad. Again, we've been visiting with Molly Pelzer. She is CEO of Midwest Dairy, talking about this uh, promotion with uh, between uh, dairy farmers and Subway restaurants. Again, a uh, number of different uh, aspects in there, but uh, mainly, again, getting uh, uh, getting kids active, staying active, getting them the nutrition that they need, and saying thank you to your community, all wrapped up in, in one promotion. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. <laughs> With the Business Report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks around the world are falling sharply on worries that the worsening pandemic will push governments to bring back restrictions on businesses. The S&P 500 was 1.7% lower in trading on Wall Street, heading for a third straight loss. It's already down 3.8% this week, a bigger drop than the index has had in a full week since mid-June. Markets were dropping even more sharply in Europe, where investors are bracing for more restrictions to slow the spread of the virus. Crude oil prices tumbled on worries about demand, and Treasury yields retrenched again as investors sought safety. Boeing will cut more jobs as it continues to lose money and revenue during a pandemic that has smothered demand for new airline planes. The company says it expects to cut its workforce to about 130,000 employees by the end of next year, down 30,000 from the start of this year. UPS says profits and revenue surged in its most recent quarter, with so many people getting what they need delivered to the front door. The consolidated average daily volume at UPS jumped 13.5%. Profit jumped 12% to 1.96 1.96 billion in the third quarter or $2.24 per share. Per share earnings with unusual items removed were $2.28, which is 42 cents more than Wall Street had expected. Nebraska's leading economic indicator rose modestly during September 2020, according to the most recent report from the University of Nebraska Lincoln. The September leading indicator rose by just nine hundredths of a percent during the month. The Nebraska economy will continue to recover from the recession, but the pace of recovery is expected to slow over the winter, said economist Eric Thompson, director of the Bureau of Business Research at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. Monitoring the markets, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio in Lincoln. Earlier this week, we kicked off a new video series on the RuralRadioNetwork.com website. Each week, we'll be joined by Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners to discuss the overall market direction and give you an idea of what to look for during the week ahead of trade. In addition to serving as the president of Heartland Farm Partners, he's also an assistant professor of practice at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I often tell people that Jeff has the heart of a teacher, so I appreciate his ability to help break down some of the terms in the commodity market industry. 
As we begin our conversation, I pointed out that there has been some support in both the corn and soybean markets lately. December corn is still over $4. November soybeans are well above $10. I asked Jeff where this overall support in these two markets is coming from. I know it's really such a big change since we're where we'd have been back in the middle of August. And a lot of that's came because of the funds. The funds have stepped in and going all the way back to the middle of August, they've bought a, over 3 billion bushels of grain. And why they've done that is because the crop got smaller. And then all of a sudden we started seeing much more demand step in. And much of that demand has came from China. So that's, that's really been a nice boost in the R&B at this market going. One of the things I want to do in this program with you, Jeff, is talk about some of the terms that, that commodity traders use so frequently and help our viewers uh, understand what that means. So one of them we want to break down today is marketing year. We are, we're in a fresh marketing year, and people are talking about how, many, uh, vol- how much volume is being traded in terms of the market year. When does the market year start, and what does that mean? What do you keep an eye on? Yeah, exactly. So first thing we always get a little confusing is, you know, what is that marketing year? And as we talk about the 2020 crop year, crop year and marketing year are interchangeable. And when we talk about that for corn and soybeans, that starts on September 1st of 2020 and runs around to August 31st of 2021. And so that's what sets up that year. Initially, when you come into it, you're always looking at what do we think the production is going to be. So we're watching weather and we're watching yields to see what that is. And now when we get to this time of year, then we start getting a transition where we're finishing up the focus on the yield. Now, there's still some stuff to go ahead and watch on the production side because not all the crops is harvested yet but then we get more attention coming back in on the demand side and the demand side which has been really kind of pulling us up here lately one of the things people have kept a close eye on and for good reason is the phase one trade deal with china what is your team tracking in terms of how that's going with china and what do you expect moving forward as we keep a close eye on that there's a couple things going on and and i think the phase one trade deal gets a lot of attention i'm not honestly sure bryce how much of that is china really trying to fulfill that and how much of that is really china just saying you know what we like the prices where they were at in particular we like the basis levels because we were of concern that the basis was going to improve meaning it was going to get less negative or more positive. It was going to go up. And so they stepped in and started buying. But I think there's something more going on, Bryce. And what that is, is I think the, the China looks at the world and says, okay, one of our biggest concerns is we want to make sure we have enough food for our people. And that was a big concern of those going into WTO in the early 2000s. Prior to that, they kept much, much bigger supplies than they do now. It's hard to know what their supply is, but they kept much bigger supplies. I think they're actually, in addition to trying to have enough supply there to feed their people, I think they're building some bigger reserves in addition to the phase one trade deal. Jeff said each week he watches the export inspections report, which is released on Monday morning. And then on Thursday morning, his team is watching closely the export sales report. For more from this conversation, you can visit our website, ruralradio.com. Our guest again, Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners from the Nebraska Soybean Board City Hall, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payton, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, as the settlements roll in across my screen, a risk-off day to be sure, but one day doesn't make a trend. Is there the possibility that may we oversold today? Maybe a little bit. I think in the it's it's kind of odd eggs are a good spot to be here, just given the um, 
I mean, outside of the, the big speculation that's in the bean markets, and certainly there's there's longs in corn and wheat as well. But uh, you, you know, there's just a lot more issues than than COVID. And I think COVID, uh, which is driving the sell off elsewhere, could offer some opportunity here um, because I think you have to kind of play it like we're not going to shut down. Uh, I know that things are scary right now, but you know the country has to come to. A, I think they will come to a, a kind of a realization here that they have to they quasi stay open. They can't do what we did in March. And if we don't do that, then I think we should be okay as far as, you know, avoiding any heavy liquidations. I think there's dollar risk out there, but, you know, the basis in the Midwest is so strong. Uh, and, and in the case of soybeans, nobody's selling beans at this point. We're, we're in the first notice day, and I would imagine you're going to see some deliveries posted that, uh, that they get stopped out really quick. So I wouldn't be, be selling this market down too much. I'm not saying we can't fall another, you know, 3 or 4%, but you start getting below 385 um, you know, you're going to really bring back in uh, export demand that, that, you know, will come from elsewhere outside of China. Speaking of China, the Chinese yuan not doing well as they start to move into their five-year economic planning. Uh, with China trying to expand and continue, they've had a lot of rhetoric recently about being self-sufficient. Does this play anything into the markets? Yeah, my five- and six-year-old would love to be self-sufficient, too. Uh, I think at some point there's realities that, you know, you look at the, the price pressure that comes in, uh, when the Chinese don't have imports or don't have access to the import market, um, that's that's the reality right now, and they can't get a, a, avoid that. So at this point in time, you know the, the Brazilian crops off to a good start. Uh, the rei is getting weaker, which you know we're, I think we touched another low today. So you're starting to see some of those emerging markets see, currencies get weaker, but I think that that only keeps us off of like the the twelve dollar level. You know, I don't think that market depreciating much is going to change behavior. I know we're still going to get a lot of acres in this country regardless, but at this point in time, cash flow isn't really isn't a huge issue for U.S. producers. Not yet. So the the, you know, the inability to sell or the ability to kind of hold off sales, whether it just be for tax reasons or, you know, just the ability to kind of wait it out, uh, I think that that's, that's something we haven't been around for a while. At least like 2013, I think, was the last time we were in this environment. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. But do remember, trading futures and options involved risk of loss that may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. If you missed anything, you can listen to our Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors. That is available at krvn.com and iTunes.